0: This is Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week on how to live well. Shine On is heard all over the world as a podcast, but it's heard first on the radio in New York's Hudson Valley. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On today. Today, I found out how terribly annoying I am to many of the people on my team. And don't laugh, because you may find out the same thing, too. Remember this sentence. If a leader learns how to mix the right neurochemical cocktail in someone's head, their staff will follow them anywhere. So says Michael Frisina, Ph.D. Mr. forcina an expert in leadership and organizational affairs effectiveness. He spent some time at West Point Military Academy, and he's also a visiting scholar at the Hastings Center here in New York and a visiting fellow in medical humanities at the Medical College of Pennsylvania. Michael Forsina's new book is called Leading with Your Upper Brain, How to Create the Behaviors that Unlock Performance Excellence. Now, Michael speaks like a West Point professor, but hang in and he'll teach us about an assessment that indicates how we operate in the world. There's two categories, fast, moderate, and people, task. Some of you may already be saying, oh, I know who I am, I have a moderate approach and it's people first. Or you may be saying, I have a fast approach and it's task first. Whether you run a business or a household or you just wanna be a better parent and understand how to reach your kids better, it's great to know how their brains work. Chances are, their brains don't work the same way your brains work. And it's not about how your brains work. It's about understanding how their brains work And once you understand that, you can get the best out of them for the purposes of your team, and you can have a better relationship with them. You know how to reach them. I have often said to my team at Let It Shine, listen, we're just going to try this. We're just going to open a market. We're just going to open a thrift store. We're just going to change the hours of the food pantry. Just come with me. We're going to do this. We're going to do it wrong the first time, but we're going to do it, and then we'll figure out how to do it right. And half of the people look at me with a smile, and the other half look like they're in pain they want to slow down they don't want to do anything wrong they want to get it right and they want to make sure they get it right so the people who execute the plan can feel comfortable with getting it right I think I'm giving them a gift and I'm actually just blowing their minds And there's one particular image that comes to my mind every single Friday when I'm taking over my shift at the food pantry. There's one volunteer who stands right in front of me, allowing traffic to go by before she leaves. Her shift is over. She's leaving. But she stands there blocking all the traffic because she is moderate and people first. She's letting the shoppers uh, make sure they have all the whole aisle to themselves. But here's the thing. She could stand there for half an hour. It's a very busy place. I need her to get out of my way so I can get through the door and get onto the floor. I'm fast task oriented. She's moderate people oriented. She'll stand there all day because she's thinking of the other people first. I'm thinking of them too, but in a different way. Like if I don't get on the floor, I can't unpack the beans to give it to the people. Gotta get the job done. Two very different ways of looking at the world. And if you have two people in your house, who just can't understand each other? Michael Forsino's new book is gonna help you understand the brains involved.
1: If you think of your brain as a computer, and computer designers studied the human brain to make the computer, so you have hardware and software. So this isn't about psychology or personality. That's the first key distinction I always wanna make. We're focusing on behavior. And because behavior is observable, we see it between people, we see it with us and other people, and we uh, can measure the impact of behavior on people. Whether my behavior towards you increases positive emotion or whether my behavior towards you provokes negative emotion and because it's observable and measurable th- that makes it science-based we can look for evidence on key behaviors that trigger certain response behaviors from others so this is how it applies to teams but it also applies to life marriage and your close and partner relationships or your relationships with you and teenagers uh, things of that nature so this is really a way of thinking about how I go about living my life knowing that my behavior daily with other people creates a life event for them that their brain has to process. And so you have all this hardware dynamic for processing these events. And then there's the software, and there's two softwares that compete for our time and attention as we draw inferences and make judgments and process our encounters with other people, and non-human events like changes in the weather or heading a detour on your way to work or getting to work and finding out you're being downsized. We talk about living life in events, and what drives the optimal outcome for us in work and life is how we choose to respond to those events. And so if you use the upper brain software in choosing to respond to events, life is better. If you choose lower brain, software. Life is more difficult. You just add to the difficulty of the event and the situation in which you're living. And so the distinction between the upper brain and lower brain is the upper brain software is built for performance and well-being. This is where we get our creativity, our imagination, our innovation, our motivation, our purpose, meaning and value for what we do at work, what we do in life. The lower brain is necessary uh, as well because it's our survival brain. It, It keeps us safe. It warns us of threats. The problem is in human development, in more ancient times, the lower brain had a great deal more prominence because life was harder and there were more physical and real physical threats to survival in the course of day to day. In more modern times, that threat is a negative stress. It's how we process these events and how we feel about what's happening to us. And so the lower brain can get false input. I can let my lower brain and the cortisol of it, which is the neurochemical of the lower brain predominantly, override my upper brain software when it's not necessary to do so. So if I can learn what my behaviors are and triggers for my lower brain, I can manage those and I can override those and get back to my upper brain, which starts with the first inference judgment i draw about an event or behavior of another person is this person being kind to me and helpful and empathic and compassionate and supportive of me or is this person a threat to me and as I make those judgments, then I choose which software to run to put me in the best optimal situation. So there are times we need that survival brain to kick in for us. I had a career military time in my life, uh, over 20 years in the U.S. Army, predominantly in combat trauma medicine uh, with deployed divisions. And there was a time that cortisol and that norepinephrine and dopamine uh, was necessary to function in a high-stress, high-threat environment. But when you get out of that, and this is what challenges most uh, folks with post-traumatic stress is they're out of the physical environment, they're out of the, the real threat, but their brain doesn't reconnect to the fact that they're out of that threat. So any kind of trigger, a sound, a smell, have behavior of another person because there's other life trauma and abuse and things of that nature. So you've got to learn to process correctly in making judgments about these events, and then choose to go to your upper brain, and the first stage of that is when something's happening to you where you feel threatened, seek understanding. Seek to understand what's happening to me, not why is this happening to me. A why type of question is a lower brain trigger. A what type of question is an upper brain trigger. So when I start processing the event and asking, what does this mean, and is this really a threat, and is this something I really need to see as negative in my life? If I process that in a more positive way, flipping the negative verbiage, the negative narrative, into a positive narrative, I connect to my upper brain, my creativity, my critical thinking, executive skill sets necessary to manage a large healthcare system during a pandemic, for example. Managing a production facility when in the beginning of the pandemic, you lost 85% of your orders in the first 48 hours of the pandemic. In that upper brain dynamic, you manage all of that in a way that optimizes your outcome in the long term.
0: All right. Let me tell you what I think I'm hearing. First, the one that stopped me cold was, my very existence creates an impact on other people's lives. I don't think we stop and think about that enough.
1: Yeah, that's a a line that really does sort of catch people, that... Our behavior, individual behavior, creates a life event for another person. They have to process our behavior towards them. And this is why it's so critical in leading teams for leaders. The one part of the opening of the book, Leading with Your Upper Brain, that we're talking about, uh, is really a message to leaders that individual leader behavior is the single most important predictor to how a team will perform for that leader. If a leader is rude and demeaning and and exhibits uh, toxic behavior as The literature calls it they shut down the upper brain of their team members, automatically impacting the ability of their team members to engage their work. Uh, And uh, as other neuroscientists like to say, um, and Henry Cloud uh, has said it as well this way, that the idea is the fundamental responsibility of a leader is behaving in such a way that the brains of their team members work in a way that is designed to work so it makes the plan work so they get the outcomes and key performance indicators and fulfilled objectives of the strategic plan and what the leader wants. Right uh, we survey leaders and we ask leaders, what do you want from your teams? They want productivity, they want quality, they want initiative, they want teamwork, they want problem solving. They want people to be resilient and manning chaotic and volatile change. Well, in order to do all of those things, you have to be in your upper brain. And if the behavior of my leader makes me wake up in the morning in such a way that I think about coming to work to survive rather than coming to work to thrive, all performance suffers and it doesn't make any difference how much you reinforce technical skill development it doesn't make any difference how much more capital investment you make in technology If the brain of people doesn't work the way the brain's designed to work for performance and well-being, performance doesn't happen at a high level.
0: So any boss or leader who is threatening or demeaning or demoralizing and you're wondering why your team isn't working, there's your answer right there.
1: Exactly. And the leader has to accept the personal accountability and responsibility for that.
0: Right. So good leaders allow their team to use their upper brain and not engage their lower brain with fight or flight. Correct?
1: Correct. And and an effective leader, we like to use the word effective or ineffective. It has a less judgmental connotation to it. Okay, so effective leaders will solicit their team members and say, how am I doing in my behavior toward you as a leader? Now, the key to remember is that there are four fundamental brain types, and they run the same software for the upper brain and lower brain, but there are variations in that software to where one person can be in a very high-stress, volatile environment, and their upper brain thrives in that because they're individually built, their human development gravitates them to taking high risk, and they get stimulated by high risk. Uh, there are two other of uh, the four behavior patterns where quick change, immediate change, unexplained change, unpredictable change just blows up their lower brain. So as a leader, you need to know that you have four brain types working for you, and when you introduce change into your team, you, if you have a balanced team of all four brain patterns, Two of those members are going to embrace that immediate, unpredictable, volatile, chaotic change, ambiguity, quickly. And two of your team members are going to resist that change of the, vehemently because that change is such a threat to them. So we have a way of identifying these four brain types. We teach these brain types to their leaders. The team members uh, t- uh, take an assessment that identifies their brain type for them. And one of the reports that we give them shows them what their key upper brain triggers are and what their key lower brain triggers are. So then the leader just runs the software. For example, and let me ask you a couple questions. Do you tend to be faster paced or slower paced as you approach life? Faster. Okay, do you tend to be task focused or people focused first? Task. Okay, so you're a fast paced task. That would put you in what we call our scale one brain behavior type. I know immediately now how to behave with you. I'm going to be fast-paced with you. Uh, when you have to work with people that tend to go at a slower pace, um, it's analysis paralysis. They want 36 36- spreadsheet of data before they make a decision because they're struggling to be perfect and they want to be right, you're ready to go execute. You're ready to just try and let's see what happens. If it doesn't work, we'll just try something else. That's me. Your inner dri- I know. And your inner driver is, let's go get it done. Well, another brain type's inner driver is, well, okay, I want to get it done, but I want to be right first. We've got to get it right first. And so you can have uh, incompatibility with a team member, and these aren't personality conflicts. These are behavior conflicts because you're running a different brain software than that other person is running, and your upper brain components are different from their upper brain components. And when you lay all of this out, and you train and develop leaders and their team members into the awareness and understanding of this information, you create a tremendous amount of unity and harmony within the team. When I see you starting to get frustrated, I know it's either because we're not focusing on enough tasks, or the pace is too slow for you. If I alter those two dynamics for you, I immediately put you back in your upper brain as a leader. Mm. And I can do it for you as a team member
0: this is amazing i am enjoying this so much our guest today is michael Frasina. michael what's the book called
1: the book is called leading with your upper brain how to create the behaviors that unlock performance excellence and well-being
0: you know it's so funny because i say to my team all the time first i'm going to do it wrong i'm okay with that follow me you know we're going <laughs> to figure out a way first i'm going to do it wrong yeah. and what are the other brain types what are these four brain types
1: the first one is you, we've described you. And it, aren't, aren't you amazed that already with just those two questions, I know exactly what your software is. Mm-hmm. And if I flex in my behavior to you, in other words, I don't create a virus. I don't insert a, a virus, in, and, and I help you with your malware protection of your software. If I'm willing to flex to your behavior pattern, we connect immediately. Right. Did you see how already you got excited about, you know me, that's me. That's right. And now you're getting a dose of oxytocin. You're getting some serotonin. You're getting energized that, man, this is amazing information. I like this. I want mm-hmm. more of it. And I like Michael. And you get a yes, yes, yes to those three questions. Your upper brain now is blowing up like the 4th of July. Right. Uh, I like to tell leaders, the, the brains of your people respond to you in one of two ways. They either light up for performance when you come into the room or they light up for performance when you leave the room. Right. Which one would you rather have? Exactly. So, so very quickly, the four brain types function in pace and focus. So you're either fast-paced or moderate-paced. You're either task-focused or people-focused. So we end up with a two-by-two grid with four window panes. And so we have a fast-paced task. We have a fast-paced people-focused. And they will have compatibility and pace because they're both fast, but they lack compatibility and focus. One's task, one's people. The other two have compatibility and pace. They're slower-paced, more moderate-paced, and one is task and one is focus. So the scale one which is fast-paced task tends to have greater uh, conflict at work with somebody who is more moderate-paced people. And the faster-paced people-focused person tends to have uh, less compatibility with a slower, more moderate-paced task person, because they don't share pace or task. But ironically, when you partner them up and you get them to accept each other's differences, they make a dynamic power team, a duo power team of performance, because they fill in each other's gaps none of the four brain types is perfect for all contextual operational dynamics. So when you have a highly volatile, highly uncertain, ambiguous, chaotic operating environment, two brain types fit that pattern very well. And then they should situationally become the leaders of the team so that they're helping everybody else get to the upper brain and manage the threat of that. The other contextual operational environment is uh, more uh, predictable, it's more stable, there's less chaos, there's less unpredicted change. And there are two brain types built for what we call sustaining context. Well, you and I, because of our brain patterns, you're the high one, I'm the high two. When we have to work in an environment that's constant, predictable, it's the same routine day in and day out, and we get bored with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so our arousal curve for performance, we'll go out of our way to find a way to create change or to mess things up a little bit so that we get stimulated in the work that we're doing. When you, as a high-scale one, tell your team, I expect our first go with this to be incorrect. If you have a scale four on your team, inadvertently, you think you're helping them by giving them that warning, but you're really blowing up the scale for brain, this more moderate-paced, cash focused person, because their new driver is, we've got to get it right. Mm-hmm. And if you're putting them in a context where they have to willingly accept we're going to do something that's wrong, that's not correct, that doesn't have any data points to it, it doesn't have any analysis, we haven't run a pilot to test it, you're really messing with their lower brain inadvertently. Wow! I get it! Yay, I'm glad.
0: Wow. (laughs) Now, when I read your whole book, will I be able to uh, take a test?
1: We talk about the assessment. It's not a test. It's assessments. No pass, fail. The assessment identifies what your brain type is, and it identifies your behavior preferences for the work that you do. And so oftentimes, somebody can be labeled an underperformer, and it's not that they lack motivation engagement. Their brain type doesn't match the job requirement skills behaviorally for the role that they're in. Mm -hmm. So they're a, a misfit, as we might say, by job match. And so if we put them in a different position where the job description and the job requirements and the behaviors to succeed and achieve match their software, then they blossom tremendously. And I did this in my own healthcare system as an executive officer of the health system where we moved some nurses out of different departments that they were quote unquote called a trouble employee or they didn't seem to be able to meet the requirements of the job in which they were in. And we moved them to different nursing departments that required a different behavior of nursing and they thrive tremendously
0: would it benefit an entire team to sit down do the assessment and then understand where everybody is
1: We advocate for that in the book, and uh, there are uh, a number of reports that we can run off these assessments. You get an individual report telling you about you. You get a management report that tells your manager what your software is and how the manager should behave towards you to maximize your performance output from your upper brain. There is a scale summary report that talks about how your different four scales matter together. It's one thing for me to identify for you that you're a fast-paced, task-focused person, but there are intensity levels. So if your intensity level in your scale one is 95 and mine is 65, while we share the same pattern, the propensity for you to exemplify those behaviors with greater intensity, greater passion, right, is higher than mine. And you may have a close proximity to one of the other behavior patterns as well. So now you can cross pollinate if you will or create collateral upper brain dynamics when you have two intensity levels that are very close so if you're in a context where trying to be fast-paced task doesn't seem to be working for you and you've got a very close proximity to another behavior pattern in your intensity identification of behavior preference then you can switch over and maybe you slow down a little bit maybe just slowing down will reduce your negative stress Give you a sense of clear vision of how to pursue with your critical thinking skill, and you produce a better outcome. You so, know,
0: I'll tell you what doesn't work, <laughs> <laughs> Michael Frasina. I'll tell you what doesn't work. Go and be in this driven, task-oriented uh, person, and thinking everybody else is going to just catch up with me if I keep going. That's not, that's not yeah, what I think it
1: was um, <laughs> he's a leadership guru that everybody knows, and he said if you. To think you're leading and you look over your shoulder and nobody's behind you, you're just out for a fast walk. <laughs> and uh, so one of the things that would benefit you greatly with your team is just slowing down a little bit. Yeah, And you won't lose performance by you slowing down a little bit because you'll increase the collective brain intelligence and the collective brain and performance of your team by giving them a chance to get closer to you and finish with you instead of you finishing so far ahead. For fun, we call this neurochemical bartending. If a leader learns how to mix the right drink neurochemically in somebody's head, they'll follow them anywhere and they'll give discretionary effort of of performance well above what they get paid for. To finish your question, the other reports are the team reports. So everybody takes the assessment, everybody learns about their own brain pattern, then we share those patterns with all the team members, and we show them how they align with each other, and then we give them behavior tips on how to flex into each other's patterns to maximize their compatibility and harmony to drive performance as they work together on their work task.
0: And all boats rise, and everybody feels better, and, and, and the work gets it done. Exactly. I love it. All right, where do we go for more information about you and this and everything else?
1: Search for the book on Amazon, Leading with Your Upper Brain. What I've done to make sure people can get to me directly, I've created a new email address. It's just michael.forsina, f r i s. -S 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 I-N-A, michael.fresina at gmail.com. You can email me directly. I promise to answer you and give you any more information you would need on understanding the book, understanding these concepts, introducing a free webinar to you and your team to explain the concepts to see if it would be valuable for you, and that that would be the best thing to do.
0: Michael Fresina, Ph.D., the book Leading with Your Upper Brain, How to Create the Behaviors that Unlock Performance. The categories again, fast or moderate, people or task. How does your brain work? But more importantly, how does the other guy's brain work? Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. Thank you to the creators of the Westchester Women's Summit. It was an honor to be a speaker at your event. An absolutely lovely day. And if you'd like a getaway centered around women's empowerment, we've got two summer retreats coming up. Find out at caseysplace.com. Our thought for the day is from Stephen R. Covey, who said, Two people can see the same thing, disagree, and yet both be right. It's not logical. It's psychological. Shine You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week. It's
1: your time to shine on.